Hello and welcome to Speak Out on Strangles, the Strangles Awareness Week podcast, which aims to give horse owners real insight into preventing and managing the disease. Strangles is the world's most commonly diagnosed infectious disease in horses. Although cases can go from mild to malicious, it is extremely contagious and can have devastating consequences for people passionate about enjoying life with their horse. Strangles Awareness Week is supported across the equestrian industry in the UK and across the world, and it calls for more openness and support for people and premises affected by the disease. With these podcasts, we aim to inspire open conversations about strangles and what helps in taking us closer to eradicating the disease. Research published this year highlights the global transmission of strangles, and when it comes to transporting horses, we know that the risk of disease can be forgotten all too easily. In this episode, we are lucky enough to speak to expert horse transporter Chris Burke from International Racehorse Transport, who tells us just how important good biosecurity is in order to keep horses flying around the world. Then we speak to UK-based horse transporter Julie Magnus, who tells us her experience with strangles and her top tips for owners and yards to help prevent the spread of strangles. Please don't forget to subscribe, whether you are listening on YouTube or you're on your podcast player, to get the heads up about future episodes, and more importantly, share them with your yard, coach or vet. Let's spread the word and not the disease. Hi everyone, um, please welcome Chris Burke on Strangles Awareness Week podcast. Thank you for being with us today, Chris. You're welcome. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself before we get started? Yeah, I'm Managing Director of International Racehorse Transport in Australia, Europe and Great Britain um, and have been shipping horses around the world for almost 25 years now. Amazing. What comes to your mind when you think of the word strangles? I must say for a horse shipper, it puts a bit of fear into our minds as soon as we hear that word. Um, Obviously, it's a disease that affects so many horses around the world and also the major impact it can have on shipments that have been prepared for export to another country or perhaps on a shipment that's arrived in another country. So it's it's not a happy word in the shipping household, so to speak. Have you seen the impact directly that strangles can have on the shipping industry? Certainly. I remember in my first year of working for IIT, I had a shipment of horses to go to Asia and one of the horses pre-tested positive for strangles in quarantine before departure and obviously it stopped the whole shipment and had to stay back for three months so it was an early education on the uh, the effect of it but also the benefit of of quarantine in trying to stop the movement of diseases such as that. Mm, it sounds like strangles can really affect your business. It does. The, the problem we have is we have horses come into our care from multiple locations so as an example if we're doing a a shipment perhaps from Melbourne to Hong Kong and there's 12 horses. Those 12 horses might come from 12 individual locations right around the country. And as a result of that and the transport they have to use to come into our quarantine, there's a number of points or locations in which they might uh, have acquired it or they could be a chronic carrier. So for us, bringing a herd together to test prior to export is, is fraught with danger in that sense and you need to be conscious of that but also the knock-on effect if a flight does get delayed not only the perhaps um, competitive or commercial or emotional impact of that animal not getting to its final destination 
but also airline cancellation fees and the effect of the quarantine property that might be out of action for anywhere between maybe one month and a year, depending on the disease that's incurred during that, that pre-export isolation. So it, it, does, it does have a very major effect for sure. It sounds like it's a lot of pressure for you guys. It is. Um, it's one of those, the more years you do do the shipping, I think you grow to understand that there's certain factors you can't control. A saying we often use around the office is control the controllables. And so the effect it probably had on me on that first occasion was a, a very rude shock into the industry. But now you're consciously trying to think of ways you can prevent the risk before it comes into our care. And then you're also aware that the problem might occur, that there is an incursion of some sort. But also you've got to remind yourself that that's why you have a quarantine before a horse might travel. It's why you try and reduce the risk. We, we're in the game of not trying to send diseases around the world, but trying to prevent them. And although it might delay a shipment on occasions, quite often you've got to say to an owner, well, this is actually quarantine working. So I'm probably more mature in the way I handle it today than how I did back then. How do you spot a good transporter? You've mentioned the quarantining and being really careful. Um, a lot of people who are looking to get transport for their horse, what's the advice you could give them when they're, they're deciding on who to pick to do that job? Uh, there's a few factors. The first is experience is very hard to go past. You need a company that has a history of remaining in the business and being successful in the business. Secondly, cheapest is not always the best when it comes to transport. So as an example, the mitigations we put in place to try and reduce risk can sometimes mean it will cost a little bit more for that animal to be moved. But the reason is we're doing things that cost money to try and prevent that bad scenario occurring. Now, there might be many times we've spent money and it wasn't required because all the animals were fit and healthy, but there's also many occasions where pre-testing prior to entering quarantine has actually reduced and something's been found positive. It's meant that the shipment hasn't gone as head or that horse hasn't come into the, the herd and caused it. So for the one in a thousand times it prevents the problem, it's worth it, we feel, and that's probably why, you know, next year we're 50 years in the business from having those sort of mitigation um, programs in place. And the final thing is sometimes the good transporters come across being a little bit more annoying. And what I mean by that is they might ask a lot more questions about your horse. They might ask for a lot of pre-testing about your horse. They might ask for a lot of questions about behaviour of a horse. They might ask you to fill a lot of forms in. And they're going, oh, this is so much hassle, this is so much work. But in fact, if they're doing that, they're probably being a lot more diligent in their task and it's historical examples and problems that they've had that they don't try not to happen to you. And it's experience that, that, that makes you implement a lot of those things that seem annoying or seem difficult, but in fact, they are actually a benefit for your animal. That's a really good point. Something we've heard a lot about this week about how prevention is much better than cure, even though it can feel like a bit of a hassle at times. And people might be a bit put off putting in by security re regulations for that reason. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. It's a daunting task to move a horse somewhere, especially across the other side of the world. And the more things you ask the owners to do or the, the more difficult you seem to make it, Sometimes it's not been difficult, it's trying to do it properly or do it diligently. 
that's very reasonable. What sort of information do you need from the owners in the lead up before the transport? Well, it's an important process because obviously the owner of the horse knows them better than anyone. And we're just taking care of that horse for a period of anywhere between maybe 10 days right through to six weeks. So it's really important that they give us some information about how the horse's temperament is, if the horse has any allergies to feeds or things like that. It might be bedding, for example, that they can't be on straw bedding or they must be on shavings. Little things like that can make a big difference. But equally important is that the owner takes really good notice or attention is paid to the horse's behaviour and health in the lead up to the delivery to us. Because there's nothing worse than we get delivery of a horse, we ring up and we say the horse has got a snotty nose and they go, yeah, he's had that for the last few days. You know? So it sounds like you have to, to, a lot of the times, balance clients' requests and questions with your biosecurity regulations. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very fine balance. Sometimes people might want to get access to a horse during a post-arrival quarantine in Australia, and that's simply not possible because of the rules of biosecurity. Um, sometimes they might want a horse to remain on a, a supplement of some sort, like a gastroguard or something, and that product might not be allowed to be imported into the country of destination. So, yeah, we, we have to balance the expectations of the client and what the horse can and can't do with the rules and the reality of international movement. So it is, uh, it's a very fine balance and it's important that um, we can get that across to people that we're not trying to be difficult, but we're trying to find the balance between the biosecurity of the industry and the safety of their horse, as well as the personal care. So strangles isn't a disease that is recognised by the World Organisation for Animal Health. Um, so for those people listening, it means that if you have strangles on your yard or your horse is diagnosed with strangles, you are not required to notify it to local authorities. Um, Chris, what do you think that means for horses and horse transport? It's an interesting one because in countries such as Australia, some of the states have it as mandatory and others don't. But there's also the situation where the fear of being tagged as a property that has strangles might mean that people will not declare also because of the fear of recrimination, so to speak. The, that makes it very difficult for us because sometimes even when we're asked, when a horse has to leave a property to depart overseas, often they'll have to get a property declaration and stating what disease freedoms have been on that property for a period of time prior to departure, and you need those to be accurate. Um, and at the same time, there's cases where the horse is perfectly healthy and they're, not, they're unaware of it being a carrier, perhaps, or a chronic carrier, and the horse will come into our care and under the stress of the changes of the situation, it might come out. So I think one of the most important things for us, you better have a conversation to say you don't think the horse is right or you think there's a chance it's off in colour or there's a small abscess under its jaw and you're not sure if it's a as a result of a seed or a tooth or something else other than strangles uh, for fear of us thinking it might be strangles you're much better before the horse comes into the herd of quarantine taking a sample testing it and crossing the bridge about what you do with it then rather than trying to ignore it and hope it goes away so a lot of it is i guess taking the stigma and fear of strangles in particular but also other diseases to some extent that if you don't think your horse is quite right you're better off investigating and managing it better than you are causing a major incident because I don't think anybody 
would enjoy the fact that their horse, which came into a group of 36 to travel on a flight, infected 35 other horses and, and, and the effect that had on others and owners and things like that. Nobody really wants that. But that has to be balanced with the fear of, I mean, sometimes when we ask people if we can take a nasal swab prior to them coming into our care for strangles, they're offended that we think their property could have it or that their, their, their dear horse could have it. That's understandable, but at the same time, it's natural that there is some cases of it out in the equine world, wherever that is, and it's better that we can find it, treat and manage it rather than spread it amongst a, a, a set of horses that are due to be clean for travel, so to speak, because if it lands at the other end of the world and infects post-arrival quarantine perhaps, well then that whole trade to that country is cut off for a period of time often and protocols have to be renegotiated. So that's a worse result than one horse not going into quarantine in the very first place and taking the flight a month later or, or something like that. We often see now too that because of what you mentioned and a lot of clubs such as the Hong Kong Jockey Club and also the Singapore Turf Club um, and also I know there's a lot of pre-screening with horses that go to the UAE now that clubs like the Hong Kong Jockey Club and Singapore Turf Club request swabs for strangles, multiple swabs for strangles in the period prior to departure as a precautionary measure. It's not part of the formal health protocol between the countries, but it's something they're trying to do to prevent the incursion into their their establishments. So it's not only just a government level, there is also a lot of activity at a private level to try and um, manage that risk. And it's a very real risk because now with global transport horses, diseases can travel very, very fast. It's what we've seen with the equine herpes virus that started in a show in Spain. And now you have 10 countries in Europe which have banned competitions or equestrian gatherings because of it. Yeah, and that's that's just one example of, of, of in today's world and a, a bit even with the human effect of COVID, how quickly you saw it spread. You know, the, the, we're an international community now. And as a result of that, um, things move a lot faster and we need to manage them quicker. And I think the more observant we are and trying to identify and, and maybe get to the bottom of what is wrong with an animal prior to doing much more with it will help us all to try and prevent incursions. Why do you support Strangles Awareness Week and why do you think people should get involved? I think we need to remove the stigma a little bit of it. I think, as I said, it's something that can stop trade for us. So from a personal and commercial point of view, the less strangles travelling around the world, the better for us. Um, but also, I think as a part of that, we need to be able to have open conversations with all breeds, all owners. So it doesn't matter whether it's a elite thoroughbred or whether it's a gypsy cob pony or a miniature donkey moving around the world, we need to be able to have a, an open conversation where we're trying to, I guess, triage a risk or prevent a risk of an incursion and that those people don't feel it's a personal attack on their integrity that we might think their horse has strangles. Unfortunately, it's out there. It's had effect on, on flights in the 25 years I've seen I've been in the game. It's had uh, you know an impact on trade to different countries with that we deal with. So I think it's 
more we can talk about it freely and not feel there's a stigma attached to it, the, the better it is to perhaps you know, reduce one or two of those occasions where a horse might come into our care that turns out to have strangles. And if we all do that, it's, it's better for all involved. So it's really just trying to, a bit like a lot of things in life that are sometimes considered a, a dark subject or a taboo subject, you've often got to talk about them to get a better result going forward rather than thinking it's just going to disappear. Um, well, thank you very much for coming on today, Chris. It's been incredibly interesting. And I hope um, by everyone working together, we can stop the global transmission of strangles. No worries, and I appreciate your time and efforts towards the course. Thank you very much. to speak to another horse transporter to get their perspective on reducing the risk of strangles. So we spoke to Julie Magnus, who owns a UK-based equine transport business. She tells us about her own experience of the disease and then offers her top tips for yards and horse owners that would really help us tackle strangles. bespoke transporter yes I use a great big HGV but my own horses travel on my lorry so I know how much biosecurity has to go in I know I have to clean every little orifice get the mats out start cleaning under those it's all about that so in the two two and a half decades I've transported my horses and I've had five in that time um, None of them have ever got ill from transporting on my lorry. So that kind of speaks for itself. But again, I only do bespoke loads. So I pick a horse for it from A and drop it off at B. I don't pick up on the way. I take that horse direct, unload it. That is a single load. I personally wouldn't do it to my horses, put them on a shared load. I would always do a bespoke load for them. That's because having seen a friend with her horse with strangles um, who sadly didn't survive this was about 30 years ago who did not survive um, it did go down the throat and the trachea um, and the horse could not you know he was euthanized um, that was heartbreaking because he was a much loved old pony he was one of those ponies that had been there done it he was amazing and there he was we couldn't do anything for him 30 odd years ago and it was so sad so sad that we lost him in that way but you know he, he he got worse he got worse and he got worse and the vets couldn't save him sadly um and i wouldn't want to wish that on anybody i really wouldn't so that's the reason i do bespoke transport what would be your advice to people when it comes to transporting and going out with their horses take your horse's temperature okay if you're going to an event, take your horse's temperature three days in a row before you go and find, you know, look at what's normal for him or her. When going to a show, don't mix with other people's horses, okay? COVID at the moment's quite good because we do have to space ourselves quite well. And now we're not crammed up against each other in a lineup where we were a couple of years ago, say. So keep separate. Don't touch anybody else's horse. Don't intervene and think, oh, I must help that person. I'll hold their horse while they pop into the portaloo. Let an official do that. Let an official do that. You are there with your horse. 
keep to your horse keep to your area keep everything clean so i'm not saying don't go out please go out please support your show centers but also keep biosecurity right at the top of your mind and yeah carry your disinfectant be proud of it carry rubber gloves don't don't be shy make sure that all of your tools your all of your equipment um is used just by your horses don't go shopping you know and sharing and you know doing things like that what's the best procedure to follow after a horse has been on a transport and has just arrived at your stables we've got obviously uh, vehicle dips and foot dips now when it comes to the individual horses a lot of yards sadly are not up to isolation stables it's such a shame that there isn't an isolation area but if you can make an isolation area it's quite easy you can put up some barriers to make that area the isolation area if necessary block off the two stables either side that's the sort of thing we're talking about having a foot dip having the overalls as well for that horse and separate tools so nobody is sharing tools and then sharing it around the yard those sort of things they're basic but necessary to do and when a transporter comes to your yard that's had a shared load where do we isolate the horse what's practical for our yard setup and that will go a long long way with some little concise bits of information when it comes to future management of strangles what would you like to see happen freedom from infection comes in when we're going to studs okay so there's a freedom from infection at the loading yard that we get to sign and there's also a freedom um, from infection at the actual stud yard now this is thoroughbreds i am talking of thoroughbreds and some sports horses have adopted the same good practice okay i wish yards would do the same as a good practice procedure okay i've got a sheet it says you know this this yard has been free from disease you know and it you can sign it and the same as when i go to the other end if all yards did this to say we are free from infection okay nothing's happened on this yard everybody would breathe a sigh of relief okay but also it would make our jobs a lot easier and obviously less panic for owners don't cover it over if you have had strangles say because really i should not be picking up i can only go on the information i've been given but support if they've come out and they've said we have strangles on the yard sadly don't know where it's come from but we are shutting down as of this moment thanks for your help support them because there is a very anxious owner there at the yard sitting looking at their horse, hoping it's going to pull through. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Follow the Strangles Awareness Week Facebook page for more information about Strangles and the campaign. Or if you have any further questions, leave a comment or get in touch with us by emailing campaigns at redwings.co.uk. We will see you tomorrow for the next episode, available on YouTube or on your podcast player. Let's spread the word and not the disease.